the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. One of the most amazing men in Scripture, yet he was fallible, just like you and I. He still had the same sin nature that you and I possess today. Moses is our focus next on Way of Grace. Join us. One of the greatest leaders of all time, Moses. What an amazing man. In spite of a troubled childhood and a trying leadership, it was still triumphant in the end, even though he never entered into the the promised land. But there is so much we can learn from Moses. His 40 years with Egypt, Midian, and Israel, defended by God as faithful, defended by sin, through unbelief, and predestined to glory by Jesus Christ. That's what is straight ahead of us today as we glean all kinds of encouragement from the life of Moses. Here's Pastor Jessica Stan with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. There's a trajectory in the life of Moses that gives us every justification to know that he was a man that struggled with a process of humility that was shaping him and conforming him all his days to make him the meek man that he was when God finally began to use him. And here's what I want you to get out of this as we move deeper into this point. There are areas in your life inexplicable. There are troubles that you've had in your life inexplicable. There are events that have occurred in your life inexplicable. And all they can do while you try to press into the inexplicableness, you know what we mean by inexplicable? I got to remember I'm dealing with people who have government education. Watch this. You're dealing with things that cannot be fully explained on a human level. And if you try to answer them on a human level, all you're going to get is a carnal outcome. There are times when we have to simply say the Lord did it. He did it for his own reason. He allowed all these things to occur. But I believe the word of God, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them that actually love God. The point is God loves me and I love God. So while I am here with all of that mess that went down, I can't keep looking back at that mess, trying to unravel knots that God didn't mean for me to unravel. He means for me to walk by faith and know that he's with me now as he was with me then to keep me as I go my way. Uh, Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Otherwise, you'll go crazy. You'll go crazy trying to peer into the inscrutable judgments of God. His ways are past finding out. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts and your ways and my ways and our ways. God is to be trusted, particularly when you see, even though there's a lot of pain wrapped up in your life, he's moving you closer to the promise. You must never fail to see he's moving you closer to the problem. Even with the pain, he's moving you closer to the promise. And so Moses has to what? Flee. So now mark this. 40 years adopted. 
Now he's getting ready to do 40 years in the wilderness, alienated. Y'all got that? Man, that's a pretty jacked up life, isn't it? And then after 40 years in the wilderness, because the the text is about to go there, God's going to call him back. He's going to call Moses back to go get the people who have just ran him off. Moses is getting ready to be called back, called back to the people that ran him off. Not just the Egyptians, but the Hebrews. He has been rejected by both groups. 40 years of fugitive. Somebody tell me, doesn't Moses have a few issues? You know he's drinking a bunch of coffee. And in the wilderness, he has found some herbs. This is the wilderness now. Okay. Now, and I love the way God is working. 40 years in Egypt. 40 years in the wilderness. And it's to expedite this and jettison this to one portion that I want to get to as I get ready to wrap this up. He's getting ready to do 40 years with a people who are going to constantly harass him, constantly persecute him, constantly blame him for every problem they got. You guys with me? Does Moses have issues? Moses got issues. Abandonment, adoption, and alienation. And this is frequently what we call, what a call to the gospel does. I want you to get this. Let me make an application. Go to our last point. Can I? This is frequently, frequently what a call to the gospel brings about. And particularly, here it is, gospel leadership. I must say this. Gospel leadership comprises multiple conflicts. Gospel leadership comprises multiple conflicts on multiple levels with multiple people. Whenever God's calling you to a position of leadership, somebody's not going to like it. This is why you need meekness. Because you got to be able to stay on point when everybody else is saying, you, you, you fool, what you doing? And you really need meekness when in leadership position, you're leading people who are condemning you for leading them. And this is why God said in Numbers chapter 12, he's the meekest man on all the earth. Y'all tracking with me? See, Moses was called in a moment from obscurity to prominence. He's on the backside of the desert. He had got him a cutie. Y'all know that, right? And they had a couple kids. I wish I had time to tell you about it. I love the story. See, because he had two sons. The one was named what? Gershon. What was the other one named? Eliezer. Eliezer comes later on down the line. Gershon comes first. When he has Gershon with Zipporah, you know what Gershon means? I'm a stranger in a strange land. That means even in the wilderness, Moses was not at home. You with me? Can I keep talking? He wasn't at home. God was blessing him, but he knew he wasn't at home. He was a fugitive in a strange land, not with his people again. 40 years he wasn't with his people. Now 40 more years he's not with his people. His first son comes out, and and they do it all the time. When they have children, boys or girls, they tell on God, don't they? I'm a stranger in a strange land. Now the other boy, Eleazar, he has weighed down the line. Now you know what Eleazar's name is? God has been my helper all along the way. Did y'all get that? 
In other words, over time, Moses began to adjust to the fact that the sovereignty of God had set up the first 40 years, had set up the second 40 years, and is now setting up the third 40 years. Because how old is Moses when he dies? 120 years old. Deuteronomy 32, verses 7 and 8. Read it in your own time. He did 40 as an adopted child, 40 as an alien servant. Now he's doing 40 with his own rebellious brethren who all through his journey dogged him. I can give you 10 accounts. I got them in my list and I'm looking at the clock and I know I'm trying to get done by one. I can give you 10 accounts and that's not all of them. 10 critical accounts that you know where the people of God rise up against Moses and blames him for bringing them out into the wilderness. 10 critical accounts. It's at the sixth account that we have Numbers chapter 12. Pull it up, Numbers 12. Let me show you an insight that pierces Moses' heart so bad that it sets Moses up to do what he did in Numbers 20. This is Numbers 12. You guys remember the account. In Numbers 12, it's the account right before the children of Israel do a major, major, major stand-up job of opposing God which is the same as opposing Moses and not going into the promised land. See, what I'm about to tell you is that Moses did exactly what he was supposed to do. He brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. That's called deliverance. He taught the children of God in the wilderness. That's called development. And he brought the children of God to the promised land. Do you hear me? That's called deployment. But the children of Israel would not cross over and go in because of unbelief. Moses was faithful in all his house. He built the tabernacle according to the revelation of God. He gave them the law of God. He delivered them out of Egypt. He led them through the promised land. God commends Moses for having done everything. Israel themselves said, no, we can't go in. We can't beat these giants. We can't overcome our foes. And God was pissed off with them. That's chapter 13 now. We're back at chapter 12. This is what we call biblical theology. Can I keep talking? Don't you love narratives? Ain't no story like the Bible story in all the world. So now we're back at chapter 12. And in chapter 12, Moses comes up against one of the most diabolical and demonic things that happens. And that's this. When you have to deal with extended family and relatives and folks and kin folks and religious folks way out there calling you this, that, and the other, you can kind of put up with that. But when it comes to the family inside the family, this is the tough one. So now, one day Miriam and Aaron woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I'm just cutting it short for time's sake. I wish I, I wish I had people that could sit up and hear the word of God expounded and explained and developed for hours. But here it is. They wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Now, Miriam is the oldest. Aaron is the second oldest. And Moses is the third oldest of the sons of Levi and, and, and uh, Kotham, okay? They are all Levites. Moses is the baby. But they're only a few years apart. Now, watch this. The text says, and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman. Who is the Ethiopian woman? Zipporah, his wife. Now, this is crazy. Miriam and Aaron speaks against Moses marrying a black woman. 
See, this is discrimination going on at the deepest level. It's not, doesn't, watch this, it does not mean, don't get this jacked up. Don't get this jacked up. Keep your theology right. It does not mean that Miriam and Aaron were white. Because they weren't. And your Bible is not a white man's Bible. Somebody go hallelujah. Because it's not. And I'm not speaking, speaking against my white brothers, but I'm trying to help you get away from the political argument of white-black. It's not about white-black. It's not about white-black. It's about how you and I can have our own unique people group and think we're better than anybody else in the world. Now, here is how stupid this is. Are y'all ready? The woman is a Midianite. We know that according to Exodus 18. Jethro, her father, is a Midianite. Midianites are Abraham's children. These is kin folks. Now, y'all, y'all better tell me, you know we got crazy kin folk that will act just because they're lighter than you, they're better than you. Right? I never forget my, my son-in-law. One of my son-in-laws is Salvadorian. My other son-in-law is Asian and Vietnamese. My kids are beautiful Blasians <laughs> and Salva, Salva Blasians. They're beautiful. Um, but my son-in-law says that in certain regions of El Salvador, they're prejudiced against other regions of El Salvador. Do y'all hear that? And the Chinese are prejudiced against the Vietnamese. I said to my grandkids, you triple and quadruple jacked up. (laughs) As beautiful as you are, you got all that crazy going on in your genetics. This is why you need Jesus, because if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. We rise above all that crazy. We rise above all that crazy. And our identity being in Christ does not shut us up to these crazy outbreaks of discrimination. Miriam is just, do you know how bad she jacked it up? God came to Miriam and Aaron and Moses. He said over in verse 2, come here. Just like a daddy would. Pull it up, verse 2. Come on. And they said, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Uh Uh-oh. Verse 3, now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which are upon the face of the earth. Now, do you see the context? No, you don't. Let me help you. Y'all got time for pastor? I want want you to get it. God here defends Moses. He defends him. Isn't that amazing? God intervenes and defends Moses. Because he knows that Moses is simply going to take the hit. See, he's already meek. All of that providence that God had exercised all the way back to Moses being sent down the river, being alienated, being adopted, and then being alienated again all those 80 years, God has shaped Moses. He has conformed Moses. Moses is now no longer the kind of man that would break out and tear your butt up. And it's been over two and a half years of the children of Israel in the wilderness having, having egregiously accused Moses of all kind of stuff. And Moses just takes the hit. How do we know? Every time the children of Israel do something real crazy, Moses knows that God's getting ready to go at him. He falls on his face. Yeah. He cries out to them. He says, Lord, take me, not them. 
He shows his love for his people. Here comes the devil again and stabs him right in the center of his heart at the level of his family. See, because, you know, once we got all that kind of crazy going on, how are we going to work together when God called me to serve and then he calls you to serve with me and yet you don't like my wife? See how all that crazy go? Do you see how all that crazy go? And what God said was, my servant has been so, um, so shaped and so formed, so developed as a servant that he's not going to even talk back to him. You know what he's going to do? He's going to bear the weight of that accusation in his soul and not say anything to Aaron and to, to Mary. He wasn't going to say a thing. God had to speak for him because remember what we learned? When you are meek, when you're a servant, you let God defend your battles. And God told that girl's tail up. He smote her with leprosy. And he said to Aaron, because Aaron and Moses, Aaron turned around to Moses and Moses, forgive her. Moses, forgive her. Like Moses was the one that smote her with leprosy. You know how a family get crazy? Even if they saved, they're crazy. Aaron was supposed to go to God. But see, Aaron is separated from God, too, because he woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Now he's going at Moses. This is what we have called for years, the horizontal dilemma. Where in reality, you put more weight on the visible leadership than you should. Moses didn't give her leprosy. He can't cure her. And then when Moses does go to God, God, please have mercy on her. You know what God says? Moses, this girl is, is even as if her daddy spit in her face 17 times. The Hebrew verb form. Daddy's so mad at her to put her to shame. For what she does, because see, once it comes out of your mouth, you, you can't unring that bell. You can only hope that there is a grace greater than our sins. You can only hope that there's a grace greater than our sin. You can only hope that there's a grace greater than our sins that can wash away the sin, but not wash away the memory. That's all you can do is hope that there's a grace greater than our sin. Because what Miriam did, God knows Moses will have to bear that for the rest of us. Now it's going to be running all through the cab to boot. Zipporah, she already let Moses know that she did not like his new job. So he got a wife that's all jacked up. That's Exodus 4. When God calls Moses, Moses is headed. Okay, Lord, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And then God goes after Moses' son and seeks to kill him because Moses had not circumcised the boy. And I'll tell you why. Because mama didn't like it. Now Jethro was a believer. That is his father-in-law. And he glorified God. But the vast majority of Jethro's children, including Zipporah, were probably not believers. See, when you're believers, you actually do what God's word says. And circumcision was the telltale key that they believed in the Abrahamic promise. And when you didn't circumcise, it meant you did not believe God would deliver you and make you part of the family. Did y'all hear what I just stated? Circumcision was the telltale key. Circumcision was the telltale key. And Moses was compromising because he had married a, a beautiful sister that he loved, but she didn't care for the gospel. How many of y'all getting revelation? Okay, just time to learn. And God uses all that to shape his servants. He uses all that to shape his servant. He knew at this moment that Moses was going to collapse up under, just take the hit, and it was going, see, he, God knows our limits. 
Does he know our limit? And see, God has to come and intervene when he knows that we don't know our limit. Because a thing will get on top of you and ride you and dog you and you will do something crazy. And it's because you didn't know your capacity so that you could call on God to help you because you're beyond capacity now. And God had to help Moses because he was beyond capacity. Called him the meekest man in all the earth. Just because you're meek don't mean you don't feel pain. Just because you're meek don't mean you don't feel all of the accusations and all of the hits. You do. It's just that the Holy Ghost restrains you. The Holy Ghost keeps you. The Holy Ghost holds you back. He keeps you on point. Are y'all with me? And I'm going to shut it down here this way. Everything that I'm saying is a framework for the person and work of Jesus Christ. Everything that Moses went through is a pattern and type of Jesus Christ's journey into this world. All of the sufferings that Moses goes through are precisely the sufferings that Christ went through, only infinitely more with Christ. Christ came into this world in an adoption process too. His father-in-law was not his real daddy. And even his mother was a kind of adoption since Jesus is actually the true and the living God. So he is submitting himself to a process that we'll learn next week that has everything to do with humility. And in the same way that Israel was in Egypt, Christ had to go to Egypt. Did he not? And in the same way that Moses comes out of Egypt, Christ comes out of Egypt, and in the same way in which Moses' people would reject Moses, Christ's people rejects him. Did it not? In the same way that they didn't understand Moses and said, who told you to be ruler over us? They rejected Christ because they did not understand him. They dogged him. They accused him. They condemned him. A, 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 a wine dipper and a glutton a child of fornication, and a devil, a sect leader, even up into his leadership. I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest to your soul. And even when Moses fails, there's a type in that with Christ. For the cross work that Christ accomplished on our behalf that we celebrate, is viewed as a failure to the whole world. For to hang on a cross is to be cursed. For the Jews, for the Jews, it's a stumbling block. No Messiah hangs on a cross. For the Gentiles, it's foolishness. To both groups, they said Jesus was a failure. Just like Moses. Y'all see the pattern? And even Christ prophesies of it in Isaiah chapter 49. I labored in vain and I worked for naught. That's an inside expression to show you how meekness will submit itself to inexplicable events in order to accomplish the will of God. But here's what I want to say as we close. Was it not Christ's alleged failure that saved our soul? Was it not the diminishing of Christ that became the richest to the Gentile? Was it not the failure, if you will, of Christ that became now the salvation of our souls? 100%. In the same way that Moses failed 
to glorify God. It only appeared that Christ failed to glorify God. But unlike Christ, because Moses is only a type of Christ, Christ rises again on the third day to reveal to us that all that happened to Christ was according to the predetermined counsel and foreknowledge of a sovereign God. Christ had not really failed at all. He accomplished everything that God wanted him to accomplish. Did he not? Did he not? Studying God's Word that we might show ourselves approved, that we might come to a deeper love and understanding of God's amazing love for us in Jesus Christ. This has been Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We are always delighted and grateful that you take a few moments to spend with us, that we might, again, study to show ourselves approved. And as we leave you today, we would also leave you with an invitation to join us for worship in person. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Pastor Jessica Stand and Grace Bible Church of Hayward, please consider this a formal invitation to spend Sundays with us. 11 a.m. is the worship service, 10 a.m. if you would like to join us for Sunday school. And don't forget, Friday evenings at 8 p.m., we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word with brothers and sisters in Christ from a variety of churches all over the Bay Area. That's at 8 p.m. Friday evenings. For directions and more information, simply stop by our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Or give us a call, 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're looking for a copy of today's program, you can either contact us by phone or mail. Send $5 and we'll get a CD out to you. Or stop by grace-bible.com and download the audio file for free. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. 94541 is our zip code. And one final note as we conclude our time together today. We're able to come to you daily here on KFAX because of friendships and partnerships with people such as you who see the value of this ministry. Now, while it is free to listen to, for us, there is a cost, and we are a listener-supported ministry. No matter the size of your gift, it's greatly appreciated. So would you take a moment and pray about it and then contact us with your gift today? 510-886-9782 is our phone number, or write to us, 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.